0: Some people they don't really know um, what true hunger is, they don't know like what hunger really does to someone and how it can literally mold someone, especially when they, they're um, an empty vessel, per se, a child. And just to flip it to help you understand why I remember at one point in my life, my, I centered my goals around the Ferrari Italia, the 458 Ferrari Italia. And of course, I I definitely liked and admired the the frame, the body of the car, the status that comes with that logo and those words Ferrari, which I've always recognized my whole life. Um, But it was really more so what drove what made me put the ferrari as my centerpiece for my visionary board was what what kind of lifestyle do i have to have in order to have a ferrari what what kind of success what kind of you know um financial freedom do i have to have to have a ferrari and a lot of people think having a ferrari just means that you know you're a millionaire but there's a lot of millionaires who right now would not be able to really buy a ferrari not because they can't technically go out and actually purchase one however there's no room for it you don't want to drive a ferrari every day right i mean even some of the rich people in the world don't drive ferraris every day right you every now and then you want to hop into tahoe maybe a benz a volvo you don't want to drive a Ferrari every day. The Ferrari Italia is a two-seater, so, you know, it's not that you – okay, let's say you don't have kids. and Obviously, you could drive a two-door car, a two-seater car. But if you do, you now have to have the freedom, right? I mean, why else would you spend $100,000, you know, six figures on a, on a vehicle – That you barely can drive. You're always with your kids. You're always with your family. You got to go here. You got to go there. You you work somewhere. You don't live somewhere where you feel safe. You have to have a certain lifestyle to really be able to fully enjoy a Ferrari. It's not the Ferrari that I'm chasing after. It's everything that will allow me to be able to have a Ferrari. A uh, two-door, two-seater Ferrari. Obviously, if I have a Ferrari Italian, that's not my only car. I probably got a pickup truck. Probably got an SUV. Probably got like a little little coupe. You know, I mean, when me and my wife go out on nice classy dates or when I have to pull up to a business meeting, right? I got the pickup truck for the handiwork and anytime I have to really do something, help remodel my home or something like that. I have the SUV for just, you know, family outings, more than likely. So, the Ferrari is like wow. You also have recreational time. There's a lot of rich people who don't have recreational time. You know, I told somebody once. I said I'd rather make a hundred thousand dollars a year and have freedom than make a million dollars a year and I'm busy twenty four seven. Can't even go to my kid's soccer game. That's not life. Like that's not life. When you die, they're not gonna. Your kids are gonna remember all the times that you didn't come to the soccer game. They're gonna remember all the times that you. You, you missed a birthday party. All the times that you were there but you weren't there because you were emailing and texting and talking and having to walk out. They're not going to give a damn or a rat's ass that you had a million dollars and that you made a million dollars a year. Nobody is. And you can't take none of that with you. But you, when you're dead, you're going to think about all those memories that you didn't, you weren't there. You were trying to get to a million dollars. So it's not just about the money. It's about the freedom, right? Hunger is also something on the flip side of it, a dark side of life. What kind of lifestyle do you have to have where you don't even have food? Americans get hungry for a couple of hours. You didn't eat since 12 o'clock today. Now it's six. You're like, I'm so hungry. I know what hunger feels like. I know a hunger fit No, hunger is a consistent thing. This is like, it's like being dehydrated. There's a difference, and a doctor will tell you this. There's a difference between you haven't drunk enough water today compared to you're not drinking enough water at all. This is something that builds up over time. This changes the literal function of your body physically. Physically, the body is different once it's experienced true hunger. This true hunger can spark different emotions and drives in you. And some of these drives can be very dark to where you don't care about anyone no more. And even when you get to the point where you're no longer hungry and you're fed, these ways are still built inside of you. Most people, especially Americans, don't know what true hunger is. They don't. First of all, you have black kids like, oh, I grew up poor and we were hungry. Your mom could have easily established herself with food stamps and y'all could have had more food in your house actually than some rich kids. I've been to rich kids' house uh, in the suburbs and we thought, like, I remember one time I went to this one white boy house and I just figured, you know, it's a big house. We were playing video games and smoking weed and he was just like, I was like, I'm going to go, is there anything to eat? And he's like, you can go see. I walked in there, his kitchen was empty. I mean, his fridge was empty, his pantry was empty. And that's when I realized, I said, wow, it's, you know. Because his parents are working so much, they don't buy him any groceries, really. And I've been to houses in the hood where you open the closet and it's literally three, four boxes of Oreos, three, four boxes of Cheez-Its, three, four boxes of oatmeal cream pies, loads of bread, loads of peanut butter, loads of jelly, hella canned food. And I guess because they're not eating lobster and steak, they think that they're poor and that they don't have food and they grew up being hungry. Now, there are some kids in the ghetto that, that grow up hungry for real parents due to certain decisions and, um, maybe things out of their hand can't get food stamps. I applied for food stamps when I was at a low point in my life and they wouldn't give them to me. So, um, where I knew girls who had good, decent jobs, but because they had a child and they were on their own, which was their choice, they were able to get food stamps within a month of applying where they were, they were, I wouldn't even say that they didn't give it to me. I honestly just felt like the process was just too much. I was like, I've seen people get this within a month. It's been 2-3 months now. It's all good. I'm I you know, I'll get my own food one way or the other, right? The the, the thing is, when I listen to people from like other countries that have become successful tell me what they say in general like I was dirt poor, we were I grew up in hunger. I, I was hungry. I don't feel like I really I mean, I feel like there's a, to a certain extent I have an idea of what that means, but I really don't think I do. I don't think that I know what real hunger is, you know, um, where you, and let's just look at 30 days, which for them is way more than 30 days. It's years of this stuff. In 30 days, some of these kids grew up eating what would equal to one meal for us. If you were to take all of that food and just the mass of it, the amount of calories, the amount of different nutrients and things of that nature, that would equal to about maybe one meal for an average American, even a poor one, even someone in jail at that point. Um, People in jail eat two to three times a day. So like, you know, um, it's kind of like, I I know someone who sleeps a lot, right? They get like eight, between at least eight to 10 hours of sleep every night and still go to work all day. They're not lazy people. They just go to bed really early and wake up on a decent time. And I said, you know, I, I, am lucky if I get five hours of sleep every night. Now I've been doing better. I've been getting about seven on average in the more recent times, but for years. And when I say years, I mean years. And this kind of, I guess I can relate to people who are tired because it's a buildup of me only getting between three to four hours of sleep. I remember at one point for like two, three years straight, like I went to bed every morning at like between 3.30 and like 5.30 in the morning. And I still woke up at seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's like, and that was, you know, it, it's a buildup. And, and these things change you. And I don't think you ever really truly recover from it. The only way to truly recover from it is to not only obviously start to get more sleep, start to eat more, start to love more, whatever it is that you've been drained of, Right but also to find God. That's it. That's the only way I feel like I'm even dead. That's the reason why I'm even getting seven hours of sleep. There's nothing that's changed. There's nothing that I've done differently. There is no, my bed hasn't got more comfortable. Um, It's just the peace of mind that God gives me that allows me to sleep at night where I went from four hours to sleep to seven. And hopefully one day I'll be getting eight to nine hours of sleep. These people... I told, her, I told the person that gets a lot of sleep, I said, you know, it takes me two days of sleep to get one night of sleep for you, two to three, two to three days of sleep for me to get what you get in one night, you know, and, and if I was to calculate it from like back in the days when I was only getting, like I said, a minimum of um, two to a maximum of four, it would take me, what is that? So if I got three, we'll just average it out at three, Right. It would take me three days to get, three days of sleep to get the sleep that she got. Now, in the meantime, I'm, I'm still going out and having to go walk up and down the street. At that time in my life, I didn't have a car. I was walking everywhere. Had to walk 30 minutes here, 40 minutes there. So it's not like I'm not getting sleep. Yeah, but I'm still well No, I was just as tired, if not more tired than the next man. Um, over a while, that changed me. You know, when you're not getting a lack of, when you ha- when you have that much sleep over that much time, You become very irritable. You know, you start running on on leftover fuels. You have to eat a little bit more or pay attention to what you you can't eat useless foods like goldfish. You need to eat foods that are put packing in nutrients. Even if it's the only thing you eat a day is one orange and a banana and you know, maybe a few nuts, like some walnuts and almonds or something like that some spinach, you need to be eating like that because you're not getting the balance of life that everyone else or most people are getting, you know? And that can turn something dark in your soul. It can also turn something light, right? It can make you into a hustler to say, you know what, I'm gonna get myself to a point in life where not only am I never hungry, but nobody around me, and when I say nobody around me, I mean all neighbors, not just your friends and family, but the guy down the street. You can't you can't look at someone laying on the floor and just walk right past them like it's nothing if there's something in you that makes you say i have to do something about this i watched a documentary once that talked about one thing that all billionaires have in common is they all fit, fit they all have this mentality that if i don't change the world the world will always be crap right because it's very hard to become a real billionaire not just, okay, you've made it to the mark. No, like you're a consistent billionaire. You make billions of dollars a year without doing something that ultimately is innovative, right? It's hard to become a billionaire just playing in movies or shooting a basketball or rapping a lyric. Most real billionaires, if you look at their career, the things they do for a living, the things that they've done and accomplished, uh, their foundation is things that ultimately help the world. Oil, electricity technology, innovation, things like that. That's, you know, Elon Musk, you know, he's trying to take humans to space and things. I mean, these things sound like dreams, but, you know, I was listening to Elon Musk when I was like, you know, this is probably just some kid who was like, humans aren't going to last if we don't go to Mars. And he actually believed it. And he literally shaped his life around that. I think all of us thought that at one point, something like it, that we as humans would have to eventually move on to a different frontier if we destroy this planet too much. But he was the guy that said, well, how do I then do that, right? And he's managed to start to build a a world where he can do these things. So, like, for example, I see somebody, because I've been homeless um, due to very unfortunate circumstances. I've slept in the street. I've slept outside. I've slept on benches. Um, the main place I used to sleep when I was homeless was a laundromat. It had a 24-7 laundromat in Cab County, and in the area that it was in off Memorial Drive, you have a lot of people who are fresh in America from other countries. And these countries, when it's nighttime here in America, it's daytime there. So they're still, they sleep all day, these people. And they, you know, I remember, I still remember the first night I walked into that laundromat. I walk in, it's like 12, maybe one o'clock in the morning, right, and it's packed. I mean, there's moms with their kids, there's fathers, and these people they didn't look sleepy for nothing. And I didn't understand. i was like, why is this place so packed? Why are people waiting till one o'clock in the morning on a weekday, not in the summertime to wash their clothes? I didn't understand. Then I had to realize these people come from a country where right now it would be nine o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. So to them, their mentality is still that. So it allowed me to kind of just blend in. I didn't have to stand out like a sore thumb. I would go to the massage chair. I had two changes of clothes on me. I did still have a job. So I would wash my work shirt, wash my pants, and put on other pants, and just do that. So that way I wouldn't be just completely, you know, like a bum, like and make some type of productivity out of being there. When I couldn't sleep there, There was a Dunkin' Donuts that would let us sleep there. That Dunkin' Donuts on Memorial Drive was pretty much a homeless shelter. When you went up there, there was nobody there except for homeless people. And if the inside was packed with people sleeping, the only other place to sleep was outside. So I've slept on benches next to people I didn't know. um, And still managed, obviously, to climb my way out of that situation, right? And um, not by myself, though but through the grace of God and through just natural wisdom. I mean, I didn't grow up, you know, in, a, in the trenches. So I knew like different ways, like other people, they have a very limited mind. And my, my short time um, being homeless really taught me that a lot of these people, um, they just don't see any option, right? They don't even like to do the basic things, like maybe go donate some plasma down the street. What's crazy is on Memorial Drive, you had a lot of homeless people, right? I didn't ever see none of them down at the Octa Pharma. I used to go to Octa Pharma to donate plasma to make extra money to get on the bus and trains until I could save up enough money to find somewhere, a hotel room, something, which eventually that was blessed. I was blessed to get into a hotel room. Uh, And then eventually, obviously, things started to restore in my life. I couldn't go home. Um, At the time, me and my dad was at serious odds. He didn't want me there. He's the one that put me out. Um, I couldn't go to my mom's house because I don't say I couldn't. I could have, but at the time I felt like I couldn't because I had a warrant. And Cobb County, you know, they were going to her house every day, literally every day. Um, it, I think it just literally became a part of their daily routine. Like, oh, let's just stop by, the, you know, the blank blank house and see if such and such is home. So, um, it was just too risky. I didn't want to put too much on her for that. So, um, at my t- at that time, I like all my friends were broke or living with their girlfriend or, you know. Uh, already had too much going on, and I, as I like, got older, obviously, I seen that those guys really weren't the best guys to hang out with, anyway. Uh, so, in between the time I would get on Tinder and meet girls and sleep at their house, like get like go over there, and I looked at like an investment. Like I'll go over there and I'll I'll buy like a ten dollar of weed to get somewhere to comfortably sleep, shave, shower, so I could still look like a decent citizen because I was like, I'm not going to be homeless forever. Like this is temporary until I could figure out this warrant situation so I can maybe go home with my mother or I can get my own spot, something I have to maintain. At one point, I was just sleeping at the airport. It was perfect for me. I I, I take the train in Atlanta to the airport. I get off. I go sleep where everybody else is sleeping, all the people that are there for layovers. Wake up in the morning, get right on the train. I don't have to walk far to the train and go look for a job or go to work if I had a job. I was homeless for like three months straight, basically. And when I climbed out of it, even though I didn't go off and become a billionaire or anything, it's very hard for me to see someone sleeping on the floor, especially a young person. At the same time, because I was homeless and I was donating plasma, I was flipping little sacks of weed here and there that I could get. I was um, still trying to find different jobs if I didn't have one. When I did have one, when I first got kicked out of my dad's house, I was working at Zaxby's. Um, go work, whatever. I don't respect seeing someone who's 20 in their 20s standing on the side of the street holding a sign. One thing I never did was standing inside the street holding no sign. I said, I refuse. I'll go steal before I go hold a sign. And it's too, I got feet. I worked out every day. I would sneak into the schools and go to, the, to their, into their gyms and work out. I, I was like, this. I'm not going to let this defeat me. But at the same time, there was a certain level of hunger that came with that. There was a certain level of lack of sleep. When I did sleep at the laundry mat, I had to be up by a certain time. Because the guy who used to let me sleep in there, because he, he figured it out after a while, obviously, I was homeless. He left at like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, I forget. And the next guy was a Chinese guy. He didn't want me in there at all. Um, so every time that guy actually let me sleep in there, I had to kind of leave when he left. Unfortunately, my brain didn't let me fall asleep till like 4 in the morning anyway. Naturally, I would get there about 12. But I wouldn't fall asleep till like 4 in the morning. I'd fall asleep at like 4 and I'd have to be up by like 6. And I would still go do my push-ups, do some pull-ups somewhere, find somewhere to do some push-ups and pull-ups. Um, still go apply for jobs, you know, uh, all of that, right? And managed to eventually climb myself out, out of that little pit. Uh, which I think more more than circumstance mentality put me there. Obviously, I take full responsibility for why I was there um, and why it lasted for three months. I will say that, that, that situation instilled something in me that would carry me through the rest of my life. Um, there, it's never over. And like my dad even tells me to this day, you know, um, life isn't over until your last heartbeat. So, um, but I still understand the depression that could lead someone to those situations of just feeling low and feeling like, man, I ain't got nothing else. Or, you know, that's not going to work. Or, you know, you don't even try things after a while, right? You just say, I'm not going to do it. I don't think it'll work. Who would want me working there? And you don't even try. You never know what you can get if you just try. And I've learned that sometimes you don't have to be qualified to get certain things. People want the people that actually want to be there. Straight up. A lot of Businessmen will tell you, they'd rather hire someone who wants to be there than someone who doesn't. A Qualification doesn't, doesn't mean that you want to be somewhere. So um, basically, you know, because the difference is the person who's qualified but doesn't want to be there will always be looking for a way out. They're, they're not dependable. And the first chance they get to leave, they're going to. The person who wants to be there, who's not qualified, is always looking for a reason to be there. So he stays, he, he comes in early and he stays late. You see what I'm saying? But the other guy is like, he's getting there at the skin of his teeth and and if he could leave 20 minutes early, four hours early, he will, you know, because he doesn't want to be there. Um, So you want, you want, you know, to understand these different things, tiredness, depression, um, a lack of love, you know, for years, these things is different than, okay, you were loved for eight years and then, now she don't love you no more. That is nothing compared to someone who never felt it. You know, you you you, you were loved all through your childhood. Now you're 25 and for eight years your wife loved you. And then after that, she don't love you no more. You don't know what it feels like. You don't know hunger because you didn't eat all day today. Half of y'all right now have never even fasted before. Whether you do it spiritually or you do it for the physical health benefits, half of you have never fasted. You don't really know what hunger truly is. This is something that builds up over years. Years you go eating one very small meal a day, if that. Years you go sleeping for two to four hours, if that. There was times I didn't sleep at all, not because I was high, not because I was, you know, doing something. I just couldn't sleep, right? Uh, Years of not being touched, Years of not talking to people, not having friends, not having any real relationships. Years of, of being bo- broke, no matter what you do, you, you just can't go right. You don't have any money. I've seen people get, I have even been so broke where $200 in my bank account looked like, I was like, wow, Right? Like, some people don't, you know, and I get that, you know, cool, you're the big hustler, great, good for you, right? But everybody doesn't always come from that type of thing. So, like, we're talking about years of, of different things, and some for some people, is a combination. Some people went for years not sleeping, barely eating, not being loved, and being broke. What do you think that would do for somebody? When you look at it, it can either spark a light or it can completely shut one out. And leave a dark, empty hole in someone. You know? And some people would say, well, what would you fill that hole up with? Well, well, it's obviously different for everybody, right? Some people fill that hole up with drugs, alcohol. Some people fill that hole up with sex. Some people fill that hole up with violence. Some people fill that hole up with revenge. Some people fill that hole up with just being the most grimiest grittiest street hustle they can be there's no love there's no love, there's no no nothing there's no nothing there's there's a certain and, it, and and we live in a world of no classification. so we're walking down the street we we go into cafeteria, we go into university, we go into career with people we don't know what type of darkness that they have lingering in them and we don't even know if we were to find out could we even understand it and that's why i've just learned to just not judge people rest in peace to my friend ryan kane i don't know what was wrong with ryan kane but a lot of people judge me for being forgiving to ryan kane ryan kane taught me one of the most valuable lessons i think i've ever had in my life honestly and i've i've lived a very shady life um Ryan Kane was a good friend of mine at one point. We hung out every day, did all kinds of things together. I always knew he had a darkness to him. At the time, I had a darkness to me. That's probably how we ended up being friends. And that's another thing in life. When you're looking at someone and you're judging them and you're asking yourself, why are all these people around me fake? You, sometimes you might want to look at yourself. Why do you attract these people? You guys are friends for a reason. Trust me, the, the world, the universe, God, however you, whatever you want to call it, has brought y'all together for a reason. Ryan, one day, through my trust, broke it, and stole from me. And I didn't hear from Ryan for a while. Then one day, Ryan contacted me himself. And he offered, he, he told me how bad he felt. He told me why he did what he did. Uh, and he ended up offering to pay me for what he stole, but more than its value. I took him upon his offer, not because I needed the money, but because I wanted to allow him to write his own wrongs. I feel like it's an important thing in our life to allow people to write their wrongs. You don't, you don't stand in the way of someone trying to write their wrongs. Uh, so I allowed him to do that because I would want someone to allow me to do the same. And I know how it feels when you're trying to write your wrongs and the person just won't let you. Right. And you damn near have to force it or kind of just walk away and, and I guess live with it for the rest of your life. And I didn't think it was something I wanted him to live with for the rest of his life. Um, it wasn't even that serious. It was really as they say, it was really the principle. I know that's cliche, but it really was the principle of it. When he came, I met him face to face, he gave me the money. We became friends again. Um, right there on the spot. I told him it's all right, you know, I told him straight sure, I ain't gonna I i be real hesitant to show you where I keep my, my stashes, but you know, that doesn't mean that you don't have other benefits or other traits of you that I I do miss having around, and we became friends again. Uh, we ended up going our separate ways, not because of any beef, but just life. Life pulled me in one direction. Really, a relationship at the time, if I could be honest with you, pulled me in one direction, and a relationship pulled him in another. And we just went our separate ways. There was no beef or nothing. And then a couple of years later, he, he um, allegedly—I don't—I mean, I don't know the whole story—overdosed uh, uh, and died. So, um, and I just found this out actually about last year. And it's crazy because throughout all those years, which I would say was like maybe five or six in between, maybe seven, uh, I always thought about him. Even when we weren't talking, even once we went outside, I always thought about Ryan Kane because of I never knew I even had it in me to forgive someone. I never forgave anybody before him, not somebody who did something that blatant, at least. Um, something unintentional that hurt me, yeah, but you went and you stole from me. And then cowardly hid from me for a for a for a little while i would say maybe about two months he i couldn't get in contact with this kid and um you know that, that man i don't want to say this kid you know but um he uh taught me that lesson you know and i thank god for allowing me to have an open enough heart to have received a lesson like that that most people wouldn't have did. everybody thought i was crazy when they saw me riding with him and uh, I'd be like, well, uh, I, you know, I spent New Year's with him after that. Like, you know, we, we hung out on New Year's. Like, you know, like people were like, wait, you're hanging out with Ryan Kane?" I'm like, yeah. Like, wasn't you just looking for him? Yeah. He paid me. Oh, so that's, and people thought it was, that's the only, no, it wasn't that. I respected the fact that he could realize that he was going down a bad path. You know, and he was known for, I guess, stealing from people close to him. I don't know what dark hole was created in his life where he felt like he had to steal from people who never did anything to him, but love him and be his friend or be his family. I heard, he's, I've heard he's even stole from his family. So it's just like, um, I don't know. You know, the first time I even saw Ryan Kane, I just felt a dark presence about him. Um, so it, you know, his name, or I mean, Ryan Kane. I mean, you know. I used to swear this dude was gonna grow up to be the Antichrist. Like I just put like I really thought Ryan was gonna become. If you hear me right now, I bet money he's laughing. I bet money he's laughing because I used to, he used to have this evil plan. Like he, him and his this one friend Kyle, I think they had this evil total domination of the world plan, and they like let me in on it. And it was like this secret society of. I'm just like I can talk about it now because he's gone and obviously it's not gonna happen. But I was just like. Yeah, bro. I think I told him one time, too. I was like, yeah, you're going to... I think you're the Antichrist. Like, I really think... I was convinced, like, you know, like they say he's going to come from the Antichrist. He's going to come from the East. We were living in East Cobb. I'm like, yeah, this might be the Antichrist, man. You know? With my with my immature um, level of understanding at the time, I really swore Ryan Kane was the Antichrist. Like, he looked like the Antichrist. Like, you know, tall. You know, he was a handsome dude, but he had a really one of those just evil faces, right? Like, he had a very evil face, if I could say, nonetheless. Um, it was just it was just crazy, you know, ultimately, to see how everything played out. Um, so, there's different dark holes in people, and some people, you know, through the pain, get sparked a light, you know? And sometimes it's a process. It's not automatic, right? You have to go through the darkness to to find a light. It's like a tunnel, right? You know, tunnels, when you're going through it, it's dark, but at the end of it, there's a light. And I encourage everybody that feels dark in a dark place to find that light. I've been in a very dark place before. I've had a nothing but a mind full of vengeance and revenge and blood. And uh, I've literally sat down and just planned how I was going to kill everybody pretty much in my life that I felt like ever did me wrong. And I was doing research. I was following these people, principals, administrators, whoever. Like any, everybody was going to get it at one point. And I always knew where they lived. Every time they moved, every, I knew what schools they were working at. I knew where they were going to school. Who their new boyfriend was. Who their new girlfriend was. If they had any children. Where did the children go to school? Where do they go to church? If they go to church, where do they like to shop? What does he like to eat? What does he like to drink? What type of cologne does he wear? What type of things are people doing? I've always watched these things, and I'm glad to have made it out of that space because it was such a dark space. And at the time, I felt like I couldn't really share it with anybody because I always had to keep this image of light, right? I'm the party guy. I'm the weed dealer. I'm the—it's I'm I'm tra- it's trauma, you know? Like, it's the dude that will stand on your couch. Like, it was the dude that had a couple girls— that like him at all times like but no really there was also a very dark twisted um cynical sinister side of me i i've always rooted for the villains i've always somewhat been attracted to darkness and um throughout life maybe that that original attraction of darkness attracted actual darkness into my life right being homeless going to jail Doing these things, heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak, embarrassment after embarrassment after embarrassment, bringing dishonor to my family, bringing embarrassment and humiliation to my family and to myself, essentially, disobeying God directly to his face. You know, um, at one point, I was hoping to become the Antichrist. I was like, I want to be the Antichrist, not because I hated Jesus, but because I hated people. I hated humans. I wish that they all would drop dead. Um, I didn't understand why God kept this whole... Shebang going in the first place. I mean, what's the point when we're no good, right? So it's just like these dark holes and and that come from these things. And when you think about how much they can be amplified by a lack of sleep, by real true hunger of you going months and years of in one year, someone who's truly hungry in one year, they eat what you probably eat in maybe two, three weeks to a month, straight up, straight up. Like that, like that's hunger. That's that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it becomes a lifestyle almost. It becomes an expectation. It, it, you don't even get the chance to rely on food. You have to eat what you can. You don't get to be picky. You don't get to, you know, people who don't sleep don't get to, well, I'm going to just sleep in the day. You don't, you don't sleep in the daytime. You can't barely sleep when it's dark outside. You don't get to, you know, you know, people who don't have the love, they, they, they end up desperate. They just take whatever they can get. They'll go with any Loser, any bad person, any person that doesn't mean them any good, as long as they rub their back. The worst girlfriend I ever had that literally almost single handedly ruined my life. Uh, well, I wouldn't say the worst. She probably second worst. She was the most affectionate person I've ever dealt with in my life. Because I didn't get enough affection growing up, I just went and got it wherever I could. And the cost of me having a girl who literally, I'd pick her up from work, right? Um. Uh, and she'd run to the car every day. And she didn't care who was outside. She'd run, jump in there, jump on me, kiss me, hug me. The, the cost of that cost me a lot of trouble, cost me a lot of pain that I have to still deal with to this day. It caused my family and friends a lot of pain. It literally it destroyed friendships. It destroyed relationships. Um, it destroyed me for a long time. The, that was the cost of it just because... And I knew it. That's the thing about it. But I didn't care because at the same time, I never had nobody hug me and kiss me that much. I never had nobody tell me they love me before I told them I love you first. I never had somebody rub my head while I was laying on their stomach. I never had these things. You know, I, I didn't even beyond the romantic affection that obviously a homeboy can't give me, right? Even my mom and dad can't give me. I just didn't have any of it, period. When I was growing up, my parents didn't say, I love you. You know, my mom didn't walk up to me and hug me and and ask me, how was your day? She'd come in the house and be like, why is there a a spoon in the sink? And I'm like, damn, don't you see I'm looking mad right now? You don't want to ask me why I'm upset? You know what I'm saying? But you want to ask, literally, there'd be a spoon in the sink, y'all. I'm not kidding. And it's boom, I have peanut butter on it. And she'd be like, I've been working all day. Why is there, you know, like I didn't get affection. So throughout years and years and years of not getting affection, watching everyone else around me get it, Obviously, the first chance I got to get some, I didn't care that it came at the hands of a actually diagnosed bipolar cokehead who is violent, who doesn't take care of herself, who put me in vulnerable situations, who was ungrateful, essentially, and didn't really recognize the good things I did for her. But I didn't care as long as I got that hug every day and she would run out that building and I didn't tell her to be this way she just is how she was with me I don't know if she's that way with other guys or whatever but that made me not only stay with her I overlooked all the bad things she did when we did break up I linked back up with her again we fell out again and I linked back up with her again see and this is why I tell people man you got to love your kids Right, Especially your little girls, your little boys. You got to love them because you don't want them to run out there and be so desperate to find a trait that they were not getting that they should have been receiving at home. This balanced life. They should have been, but they weren't because you left them hungry. You left them hungry for affection, hungry for love, hungry for money, hungry for um, sex that wasn't a violation for all the kids out there who were raped and molested or dealt with incest, right? Hungry for these things that they run out and they just go have sex with anybody. They have as much sex as they can to wash down the other sex. They they run out there and they, they, they run to whoever will give them a hug, even if it's the devil himself. Y'all don't hear me though. They'll, they'll run to eat everything up. They'll get greedy. They went from being hungry to greedy. When you take a kid that's poor and you put him in position to make money, he doesn't go out there and get what he can get and don't throw a fit. He wants it all. And this is where we see these dark people. And it, it, it comes from, ultimately, the spirit of true hunger. Not just uh, the literal definition, but anything that you don't get that makes you hungry for it. You're hungry for food. You're hungry for money. You're hungry for power because you never had any power in your life. You're hungry for... For love, and and, and and unfortunately, we don't turn to the right places to get the power. Because God can give you power. God going to give you love. But we don't turn to that. Not at first, most of us. We turn to, well, we'll call it a woman. We'll call it a man. We'll call it drugs. We'll call it our homeboys. But ultimately, the devil. He comes in your darkest, most vulnerable place. And he gives you all these things that he knows You didn't have. And the true trick of it is he made you think you didn't have it. He put you in a position where you wouldn't have it. Now, in some situations, I think there's a little bit more than just the devil going on there, right? But ultimately, I don't want this to become a conversation about just the devil. I want you to focus on this. So maybe when you're dealing with these people, you, you have more sympathy. You have more of an understanding approach to say, well, you know, I think this person for a long time was hungry. And just like hunger, just like dehydration, the in in this literal sense, when it goes on for such a long time, it starts to break down the body. Right, I need you to walk with me metaphorically here. It starts to break down the body to the point where one glass of water does not fix dehydration. Any doctor will tell you that any primary care physician any emergency room doctor anybody who knows anything about health will tell you that when your body is in a state of dehydration you don't just go drink a glass of water and think all right I'm hydrated again no that I mean, that's a start but it's going to take you I'm not going to say the same amount of time it took you to dehydrate yourself but you you have to make it a, your body has to become used to it you know your body has become used to it if you if you the body is such a weird thing if you if you're a vegan Right, if you were if you become a vegan for years and you eat completely healthy, if you decide to go back to chips and dip and candy and uh, Cheez Its and buffalo wings. I promise you, it'll affect your body in ways that it would have never did back when you was living it. And this is why some people come become comfortable. Because when you're living in something, it's a little easier to deal with it than when you step out and you look back at what you were living with. And if you decide to ever go back into what you were living in, it will hurt you more than it ever did before. See what I'm saying? So you have to understand that like it's these, these hungers that we have for love, attention, affection, um... I guarantee you, most of these people you see on Instagram every day didn't get a lot of attention growing up. Or maybe they got too much, right? Just like just like eating. Food is good for you. Water is great for you. But you're not supposed to eat and drink too much. That's also bad, too. That can destroy the body just as much as not eating and drinking, right? So you have to understand that there's a certain level of, of dehydration and hunger that, once again, like I said, it leads you to a dark place and your body physically, emotionally, and mentally. And when these things break down, the, the spirit always goes with it. Always remember that. You There's nothing in this world that's just physical, just emotional, or just mental. Every single one of those things may not rely on the other, but spiritual always goes with every single one of them. So when you are physically drained, you're also going to be Spiritually drained. When you're emotionally drained, you will be spiritually drained. When you're mentally drained, you will be spiritually drained. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that people, probably you listening, myself, I still have things to work on. I'm not perfect. There is a hunger that can be used for good or bad, right? Ultimately, most of us fall into bad because we live in a bad world. We live in a world that teaches us how to be bad, not how to be good, right? It teaches us how. I mean, you look around and everything is bad these days. Every TV show is bad. Every song is bad. There's We don't even have love songs no more. All the love songs are about someone cheating on someone and being in love with the next person. So there's not even love anymore, right? Every TV, I can't watch a TV show without seeing somebody cheat. I was like, damn, every TV show I watch now, someone cheating on somebody, someone trying to kill somebody, somebody trying to hurt somebody, somebody is creating a false image of instant gratification and love. So when these, these different hungers that you have that you may think are making you a more successful person, but all they're doing is actually, it's funny, the hunger is eating you. If right now, for all of us that actually eat regularly, if we stop eating, what happened what happens? What does the body do? What does the body do? It starts to eat you, right? It starts to eat your flesh, it eats away at your muscle, it eats away at your fat, it eats away at the leftover food that you know has been held back. It starts to eat at you. Hunger is also hungry. I need you to really wrap your mind around that from a metaphorical stance and make sure you share this episode if you feel like it's taking you somewhere that maybe had nothing else has taken you before. You know, ask yourself, what is hunger and what does it do for you? Are you hungry right now? You can use these things in two different ways. You can run towards the darkness and let it take control of you until it leads you to death. Two deaths. The death of the of 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 you that we know, and the death of the, the, the you that we don't see. There's two deaths for you. Like they said, a coward dies, a thousand dies, a soldier dies once. The hunger is going to eat at you. And that hunger for that money is going to take you away from your family. That hunger for that love is going to take you away from your goals and the things that you really need to do in this life. That hunger for that attention is going to destroy you. It's going to leave everybody around you with no attention. And then what happens when, what happens then? Then we have a cycle of monsters now. That's probably how you became the monster that you are. This hungry monster that you are. Is because someone else. You see what I'm saying? Do I have to even finish that sentence? So like, we have to be very mindful of these things. So that way we can prevent them in ourselves. And maybe help aid others who we see have these dark hungers in them that lead them to love anybody. Just just put up with anything. Get any job. Get any career. Go sell their body. Go do anything for money. Don't care about the long-term effects. Do anything for sex. Do anything for attention. Do anything for love. Do anything just to eat. Some people are that type of hungry where they don't even have time to worry about sex or money or they, they just want to eat. What do you think they'll do right now and you put a feast in front of them and you told them the only way to get it is to slit that man's throat. Now some people in the world, they ain't that hungry. They ain't no matter of hunger in the world that's going to make them kill somebody that, they, that didn't do nothing to them. But that's not everybody, right? And all it takes is one person. You turn these people into animals. They lose their humanity. They lose their sense of integrity. They lose their moral compass if they even ever had one in the first place. These are empty vessels half the time being filled up with whatever, you know, evil and darkness and wickedness wants to fill it up with. Sometimes this evil, this darkness, this wickedness can be be disguised in light. That's how it hides. That's how it tricked most people who have a decent, natural moral compass. So I want you to really look into this. I want you to really think about everything I've said. I want you to really take heed to these things and, 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 and ask yourself, are you hungry? Why are you hungry? What made you hungry? What would fulfill this hunger? What, what do you do for these things? Do you even know what true hunger is? Are you just being a little dramatic? Are you just being a little kind of too victimy? Too, you know, this, this pity party of yours that you're having? I mean, can anybody else even come? Is there a VIP section? Is there free bottles? Does somebody buy the bar out? Is there a DJ? Is it is it is it invitation only? What's the dress code? I mean, you know what this 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 company that you have that's full of misery. Is it a company, or is it just company? You know, is it is it profitable in any type of way in your life, or is it just a bunch of y'all sitting around all day making each other feel more validated in your darkness? You know, look around your life. Who is validating? the dark sides of you, who's like, yeah, sis, forget these niggas, Who, who's like, yeah, man, we got to rob everybody, we're going to take over the street, who's validating this darkness in you, because all you're doing is hanging around other people that are just as lost as you, and y'all are just leading each other to nowhere, the blind leading the blind, as they say, so pay attention to these things, and understand that these things don't come from nothing more than a lack of something. A lack of something. I don't know what it is. It's different for every situation. But a lack of something. And that can never lead to anything good. It's your boy Tommy V. For all sex. And I'm out.